going on. We all know about anxiety. We all know about not being enough hours in a day. And I think, especially in the church, we all know about exhaustion. Somehow, some way, the church of God has missed what Christ had in mind for us. I'm sure as a pastor I have been guilty of the years of adding burdens to your load. I'm sure as a pastor I've been guilty of leading you to do more and more, thinking that doing more means that you are spiritual. But I come to this text and I see something totally different from that. Doing does not always mean that it's right and you're doing it for the Lord. In the last day, there will be those who come to Christ and say that they had cast out demons, they had healed the sick, and they had raised the dead. Jesus says, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. So physical activity in the church is never a good barometer of our relationship with Christ. And if, in fact, we're resting in Him... What Jesus says in this text is radical. It goes against everything the modern Americanized church pushes. Especially in independent Baptist churches and what we've taught for years. Well, you're going through a bad time, you just got to try harder. Well, you don't have the results in your Sunday school class that you want, try harder. Ah, you're struggling with this. You need to come to church more. You need to do more. You need to do more. And all along, what we're doing is we're really building up our earthly empires. We're judging churches of of, of whether or not we're successful based on the amount of people there and what they're doing. There was a time when I was on staff at the church I grew up in. And going out and knocking on doors was mandatory. It was not one day a week I had to go knock on doors. That was part of my responsibility. And I want to be transparent with you. There are days when I did not want to go. But I went because the pastor required me to go. And the church, what would they think of me if I didn't want to go? Or if I told them I didn't want to go, what would they think of me? Would they think of me as a, man, he's a pretty pitiful pastor. that doesn't want to go out and go soul winning. But I found that everybody that went out with us had the same thought. They didn't want to go. And they didn't want to say they didn't want to go because of guilt of what man might think. How many of our decisions have been made in church because we make them based on what someone else will think of us rather than what God thinks of us? Paul said, if I seek to serve men, then I should not be a servant of Jesus Christ. Christ. And what Jesus says to these people in the midst of something that's really bizarre. I don't know where all of a sudden it just comes out of the, this message he's given to these people. And if you allow me, before we jump too deeply in here, I need to define a couple of words so that we have a great understanding of this text. 
The first word I'd like to understand, uh, describe for you is, or define for you is labor. Kapao. It's to grow weary, tired, exhausted with toils or burdens. The second word, uh, two words I would like to describe or define for you would be heavy laden. Fortizo in the Greek, it means to place a burden upon you. Listen to me, church. Please hear me out. Many times our exhaustion is not from physical activity, but from the mental, the emotional, and spiritual burdens we're carrying. Have you ever been lying in bed and you're so exhausted physically, you think, man, I've worked so hard, I'm so tired, but I can't sleep? Why can't you sleep? Well, there's a hundred reasons why. But really, there's one. You don't know how to rest. I don't know how to rest. We all know what it feels like to be weary. Many of you in this room have PhDs in weariness and burden bearing. Now let me ask you a question. Is this really the life that Jesus promised we'd have? And have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and that you might have life more abundantly. Is that what he wants? What are some of the ways we become weary? Some of the causes? Well, I would say the first reason we become weary is the compulsion to do something. You don't know this. I don't know this. But we... Way down inside, we know it's true, but on the outside, we don't know and we don't think about it. But this is the plight of man. Don't just stand there. Do something. I remember I was um, at the other church, and then I was, we had a teen camp, and we had about 80 teenagers. And uh, some of the counselors had taken the teenagers on a walk in the woods. And there was a storm coming in, and one of the ladies, she overreacted quite a bit. And always, not just over this. And she said, there's a storm coming in. What are we going to do? And I said, we're not going to do anything. She said, well, how are we going to? We can't go down in the woods with a church van. There's nothing we can do. We're going to sit right here, and they'll be back. They'll make it before the storm. And they made it back before the storm. But her compulsion was, we've got to do something. Someone comes to you and says something to you. Well, so-and-so is going through this. Well, we've got to do something. We've got to do something. And that compulsion to do something will fuel weariness. Well, man, you know, this is the new year, and I haven't done anything for the Lord. I haven't been doing all these things, and I haven't been... The compulsion to do something. Please hear me out. Your relationship is not based on your doing. It's what He has done for you. He's here to give you rest. Not put his burdens on you. He's going to take your burdens from you. The second reason why we become weary is the weakness to say no. How many of you in here have said yes and you didn't want to say yes to somebody because you didn't have the energy and you didn't want to do it, but you said yes because you didn't want to hurt their feelings? Look around. That will drive you to 
the state of weariness. You do not have to say yes to everything because you're a Christian. The power of saying no is releasing. You can say no. Now, you don't have to be a jerk when you say no, but you can say no. And if you continue to take on things, I had to learn this as a pastor. People would um, want to use the church and do things, and they'd call me and ask, is the church set up? And I'm like, excuse me? Well, yeah, well, well, yeah, I guess I can go over and help you because I'd feel guilty for saying no. And we have to learn that no is not always bad, right? The third is the lure of constant entertainment. Constant entertainment. There's a survey that suggests that an overwhelming number of the majority of Americans are terrified of silence. It's deafening. For instance, if I were to come up here and preach, and you were all ready for me to preach, and I walk behind the pulpit and I stand, and I look at you and I don't say anything, everybody starts looking around at each other. And I just stand there longer and they're thinking, is he okay? Is something happening? Is he physically all right? We don't know what it's like to spend times in solitude alone with Christ. And the constant noise leads us to weariness. Every television program has an agenda. Every te- I know your favorite show, it has a hidden agenda. And everything is, is designed to cause you to move and be anxious about something. You watch this news, they scare the dickens out of you this way. And you watch the news over here and they scare the dickens out of you this way. On this side. They want you to have unrest. And we have that constant lure of entertainment. And then lastly, the pride of what people think of you. The pride of what people think of you. The longer I am pastoring, the more I see the issue of, I want to tell people, just leave each other alone. Just leave each other alone. Well, so-and-so hadn't been to church in weeks. Well, you don't know what's going on in so-and-so. It doesn't mean that they're falling off the wagon or doing something. You don't know what's going on in their life. And I will tell you this. Jesus is well able to take care of them. Well, I saw so-and-so, and they were listening to rap music. Okay. And your point is what? We have come to the place in our lives where guilt and what people think of us drives us to doing what we do rather than the Lord leading us to do what He wants us to do. That's unfortunate, guys. That is unfortunate. And it is a form 
of pride, whether you know it or not. You care what people think of you more than you care what God thinks of you. There's a man who's in heaven who was a, somewhat of a mentor to me. And I, I went to him one time and I was talking to him. And his son was playing in the state basketball tournament at Chesapeake High School. And he had been, had one son, one child, he and his wife, late in years. And they tried to do everything f- to be good parents to that son. They missed a lot growing up. And Pastor Bob made the decision that he was going to go on a Wednesday night and watch his son play in the state tournament. There were people in the community that didn't even go to that church that were talking about him and how he was a liberal pastor. Weariness. Weariness. God goes, Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and he says, You put, you put bindings on people that you yourself are not able to fulfill. So let me read the text to you with this context. And let me just try to articulate what Jesus is telling these people. I want to specifically focus on verses 28, 29, and 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The first thing I see here is that Jesus says that we need rest. What is rest? Ana apuo is the Greek word. And it means to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover strength. The root word of this Greek word actually means to cease or stop. To stop or cease. Psalm 46.10 in the uh, King James and New King James is translated, Be still and know that I am God. But actual Hebrew translation, literal translation means cease striving. Stop striving and know that I am. Am God. Stop striving. See, we as humans, we strive over everything, things we cannot control. Well, so and so said this to me. So what? So what? Well, I, you know, I better do this or. They're going to be upset with me. Let them be upset with you. Ten minutes later, they'll be upset with someone else. If you don't acknowledge it, let them go. So what is the answer in all this? How do we have that kind of rest? Well, notice the text says, first of all, Jesus says, come to me. Are you laboring? Are you heavy laden? You are. I'm your pastor. I know that everyone in this room is dealing with something. 
Everyone in this room is going through something. Someone has said that, you know, life is full of valleys, ups and downs. But I like it better this way. One has said it's like train tracks. You got the good and you got the bad, and they're always side by side. They're always there. But sometimes the good is so good you don't notice the bad, and sometimes the bad is so bad you don't notice the good. But they're always right there, side by side. And Jesus says, Are you laboring? Are you striving? Are you heavy laden? Come to me. Jesus invites us, but we have to go. And that's why we go to him. That's why I say to you, church, listen, when I come to you as your pastor and I say, try to be in the word of God and pray, I'm not trying to add burdens on you. I'm trying to have your burdens lifted. Because the Bible says, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. You can cast all your burdens on him. You can transfer your burdens to him. But you've got to go to him. Come to me. Come to me. The second thing I see in this passage is, he says, I will give you rest. Interesting. Rest is a gift. This is why we don't know anything about rest. To have rest, we go to him and he gives us rest. He gives us rest. The disciples are gathered together in the upper room. The Bible tells us for fear that they would lose their lives. They're gathered together and Jesus appears. And when Jesus appears, something happens to them. Everything changes. Everything changes. From then on is a transitional point where the gospel begins to spread out. And those whom they were afraid of and afraid to preach in front of, now they are boldly proclaiming the gospel to them. What makes the difference? They went to Jesus. They went to Jesus. He gave them rest. Rest. Listen, you can be walking in the woods... And be resting in Jesus. You can be leading in the worship and praise band and be resting in Jesus. You can be teaching Awana and resting in Jesus. I would highly recommend it if you're going to teach children to rest in Jesus. Come to me, rest is a gift. Number three, learn from Me. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Oh, Jesus was not wearied by the things of the world. He didn't have the compulsion to do something, he operated by the will of God. They came to Jesus Jesus, you got to help us. Lazarus is sick, and if you don't come, he's going to die. Okay. Okay, are you coming? No, I'll be there. 
His illness is not unto death. He didn't feel the compulsion. He didn't feel like he had to please them. I love what Chuck Swindoll says. Jesus never worried and Jesus never hurried. He says, you will not find in the scripture anywhere where Jesus worried or he hurried. Yet, that summarizes our lives, isn't it? Worry, hurry. Worry, hurry. Hitch up to him. Take his yoke upon us. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus goes out of the way for one woman at the well. He sends the disciples off. They come back and they're having a conversation about what he's doing talking to her. I wonder what in the world he's doing. He didn't hurry. He didn't worry. He was not concerned about what they thought. He knew what they were thinking. He's God. He knows everything. He goes into the scripture and he reads scripture and he says, talking about the Spirit of God is upon me. Reads uh, from Isaiah 61.1. And he closes the scroll and he says, Today this is fulfilled before your eyes. And they wanted to take him on the mountain of stone. And they literally took him up on the hill and was going to throw him off. Throw him, cast him off. And he walked right through the crowd and left and no one could take a hold of him. He wasn't worried about them. Because he was resting in the Father's pro- the promise to the Father and the Father's promise to him. He knew that he was going to go to the cross. And guys, here's the most beautiful part about this. When we take his yoke upon us, we will find that he's gentle and lowly in heart, and we will find rest for our souls. The answer is not to do physical activity. The answer is to surrender to Christ and learn to do what He wants us to do. Well, it doesn't fit <clears throat> what the way we do things here. Well, then we need to change things here. Because the last time I looked, I'm not the head of the church. You're not the head of the church. But Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And the last time I looked, Jesus was not about trying to build a big mega church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When Jesus ascended into heaven, you know how large the church was? 120, about the size of our church. And he was okay with it. I've uh, been... Very disappointed of late. There was one whom I respected, read his books, and they're making a documentary about him. He pastored a church. He became uh, notorious and uh, has done some unscrupulous things. If I said his name, you would recognize it. I'm not going to. But it really has bummed me out because a lot of these big 
churches have these pastors who fall, and it doesn't matter what size it is, anyone, I'm, I'm susceptible to falling. Anyone is. They've fallen from grace hard because of that image and because of weariness and because of the lure of being the, the, the pastor. means shepherd. Go out in the field and look at any shepherd. They're not all like this. No shepherd goes out in a suit and takes care of sheep. We've got our images all wrong. But he says this, verse 30, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that the American dream? The easy button? Right? Well, I don't want to cook tonight. Let's just get a hot and ready. It's easy. Interesting, as we were studying yesterday in our Bible study, this word for easy is krestos. One letter away from Christos, which is Christ. I don't know if that's, I don't know if there's any, just, I just found that amazing. The word for easy, krestos, it means to fit, fit for use, useful. Please look at me, and this is probably going to get me in trouble. There's a lot of stuff we do in Baptist churches that is useless. But we do it because of our pride, and we do it because of guilt, and we do it because we've always done it that way. And all the while, we're shriveling up spiritually. We don't know how to worship Christ. We don't have that abiding, thriving relationship with Him, but praise God, I've been to church three times this week. I tithe. Remember Jesus? When two guys were in church and he was telling all the things he did and the other fellow said, Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and beat upon his breast. He was the one that was justified. If you want to follow the Pharisees, you'll have anxiety and unrest, weariness and burdens. I have learned that I am telling you this the truth, church. I'm telling you this. I am in over my head. And I need the grace of God. And I don't want to stand up here and I don't want to add more physical activity to you to make our church look better than the church down the road. What I want you to do is I want you to come to Jesus and find rest for your weary soul. I want you to come and experience yoking up on Him. Typically, when they yoke a team of oxen together, it splits the load. This is the only instance in the Scripture when you take on His yoke and He takes your burden. He takes your burden. You have none of the load. But there's a warning. And I didn't read the warning. And the warning is in verse 20. 
And the warning says this, Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. All the places where he did all the miracles, he rebuked them. You know why? Because they loved the miracles. They loved the show. But when it came time to surrender to him, when it came time to hook up to his yoke, when it came time to forsake themselves and follow him into rest for their souls... They refused to repent. They refused to change. They kept doing the things that drove them to weariness. You can't wear that. You can't say that. You can't have that. You can't touch that. You can't drink that. You can't eat that. And that's what church has become. We separate ourselves from other churches. Well, they do that over there in their church. That's not your business. You are your business. I am my business. And the fact of the matter is, it's easy to be a critic of everyone else and not follow Christ. But it takes a reckoning with our pride, an acknowledgement of our sin, to surrender ourselves and follow Christ. And let those burdens Go. Let him go. I was in the summer, if typically if it's above 35 degrees, I have shorts on. The reason I have shorts on is I have short legs, and if you have short legs, I hate pants. They don't make pants for short people. I'm just telling you. And I would rather wear shorts than go pantless. Can you say amen to that? And so anyhow, I got a call and I had to run to the hospital. I'd been outside working and I had shorts and a ball cap and a t-shirt on, and I, I go into the hospital, and I say, I'm here to see so-and-so, and, and they said, May, are you a friend or relative? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm this pastor. She said, oh, you're a pastor. And I said, uh, yeah, is, is something wrong? She said, oh, no, 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 you know, no. But I know what she was thinking. Oh, you're a pastor? <laughs> to which I could care less. I don't walk around telling people I'm a pastor. But I want to tell you this, all that stuff is weariness, weariness, weariness. It's weariness. And the truth of the matter is, we are a grace-oriented church. If you believe in grace, you've got to take it as the Bible says it. You and I are not saved, we're not spiritual because of anything we do. It's because of what He has done for us, in us, and through us. There are going to be many people who get to heaven and say, I did this, I did that, I did this. And Jesus is going to say, Department from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. It's not about the physical act. Giving, when you tithe, it's not about the physical act. I don't know what you tithe, if you tithe or if you don't. I know, that's between you and God. But I'm going to tell you this. Some people think it's about the act of tithing. It's not the act, it's the intent of the heart. How do I know that? Because Jesus said that. It's never about the amount. It's always about your heart and whether you want to give because you love Him or you're under the burden of the law, I must give. And it leads to weariness. When you stand and teach, if you're teaching because you feel like you have to, because if I don't do it, no one else, well, that's the stupidest reason in the world to teach. 
It is. And someone says, well, what do we do if we lose all of our teachers? God will provide somebody. If he don't, we'll have one big service. You know, I'm, I'm thinking that the kids were there with Jesus. They didn't have children's church when Jesus was teaching to the masses. Well, what if someone leaves? I hate that they leave. But it can't change what we do. It can't change who we are. We've got to keep being following Christ. We've got to change our trajectory of doing what we want to do and asking God to bless it rather to doing what God blesses. Because when we do what we want to do, it leads to weariness. You know, it was never God's idea to limit soul winning to a Thursday night or a Saturday morning one time a week. It was God's always intention that wherever you are, there you're influencing people for Christ and witnessing to them wherever you can, however you can. Think about this. However many people, let's just say, for argument's sake, there's 100 people here this morning. There's 100 people here this morning. Wouldn't you think if everyone out of here, out of the goodness of their heart and loved Jesus because they loved Jesus, they told one person about Christ and that person believed, we'd have 200. Could you imagine how long it would take for me personally to win 200 people to Christ? We used to keep records at the Abundant Life Baptist Church when we would go out and knock on doors. And we had it down that if you knock on about 100 doors... About 25 people will let you tell them the gospel. And out of that 25 people, 10, 8 to 10 people will believe in Jesus. So 8%. So 8 out of every 100. How long would it take me to get there? You see, God is, knows exactly what he's doing when he sets up and tells us what we should do. But if you want to keep putting burdens on yourself, if you want to keep your burdens and you want to stay weary, will you just keep doing what you want to do because of so-and-so think this about you or so-and-so will think that about you? or Forget all that stuff. If they say something bad about you, go up and give them a big hug. You know what the Bible says? That will heap coals of fire on their head. That's what the Bible says. Kill them with kindness. Just... just Give them a hug. You say, preacher, that's not very good advice. Well, try it. Just try it. I'm just, I just try it. The answer to weariness is not more physical activity. The answer to weariness is turning, releasing your burdens to Christ. How do we do that? We follow Him. Lord, I care about what you care about today. This is my schedule. What do you want? Well, I've got to make this decision, Pastor. I don't know what to do. Have you asked the Lord about it? I mean, most Christians Google something before they ask God about it. Think about that. Well, let's see what Google has to say on the matter. Well, Google's a machine that's programmed by idiots. I'm just saying His yoke is easy, church. His burden is light. It's all about our relationship with Christ and our motive of love and serving Him. It's all about this 2024 needs to be about 
Jesus. About yoking up with Jesus, following Him, resting in Him, it's easy. You just have to be willing to surrender and give up control of your life. If you follow Jesus, you will have rest. Can't imagine hearing Jesus talk about all the places he did miracles. And in verse 21, he says, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done and you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. If you know anything about Tyre and Sidon, they were Israel's enemies. I just wonder if he'd say to the church of the living God, you know all the miraculous things that I've done. And if people outside the church would have known all the things I would have done, they would have repented a long time ago. They would have repented of trying to have their way, do their own things, and they would have followed Christ. And all the while, you're making your church look good. You're making yourself look good. You're building your earthly empire. Repent of that. Follow Christ. He is our life. Would you bow with me for prayer?